We have a very active uh, career awareness and exploration program for our uh, middle school and high school students in our community. Starting with our middle school program, probably our signature program, one of the most fun and exciting things we do, we engage seventh graders in a contest. Uh, we call it What's So Cool About Manufacturing? It's a video contest. We have groups of students from local schools, local middle schools, produce a video in partnership with a local company. Uh, they produce it, they uh, film it, they interview people, they edit it and turn it into something that, um, you know, turn it into a competition. And uh, we have a whole uh, system where people can vote on it, kind of like American Idol. And we have ceremonies and winners and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. That engages, you know, all parents want to go to some event where their child may win an award. Uh, that program engages hundreds and hundreds of students in our community across the state, thousands of people, lots and lots of parents and educators. And it's really like the first step that we take in introducing students to careers in manufacturing because manufacturing is cool. These students produce fun and amazing videos. Uh, and those videos can be shared with literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. That voice was Petra Mitchell, CEO of Catalyst Connection, leading the way from her manufacturing community in the Pittsburgh region, and talking about one of the many tools you can learn about, share, and use in your region too. Her interview coming up next on the podcast, Manufacturing an American Century. Welcome, Americans. You're listening to the podcast, Manufacturing an American Century, with your host, Matt Bogosian. Welcome to this episode of the AMCC podcast, Manufacturing an American Century. We're excited today to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with Economic Development Organization CEO of Catalyst Connection, Petra Mitchell. Welcome, Petra. Yeah. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day well, here. I appreciate you being on the podcast. We're excited to have you, you know, on so, so people across the country can hear more about your story and your manufacturing leadership in the Pittsburgh region, the birthplace of American metal manufacturing. Yep. And um, after working with you for the better part of a decade, and preparing for, for our talk here, I, I, I wasn't surprised to learn about your many accolades and the ways you served uh, the American project to include being uh, named as uh, Pittsburgh's most admired CEO at one point. So that was uh, great. Congratulations for that. So let me start. Um, you're an engineer by training, right? That's correct, Matt. Yep. A mechanical yeah. engineer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so tell us how you got, you know, connected to manufacturing and, and the work and trying to help uh, strengthen American manufacturing. Yeah. Well, I would have to say uh, that connection started prior to my college experience. My father was a machinist. And so manufacturing, I like to say, is in my blood. Uh, I've, you know, known about manufacturing almost my entire life. Um, you know, just hearing my father's experiences and the work that he was doing uh, and those kinds of things. So it was only natural that I pursued an engineering degree or an engineering career. But when it came time to really think about, okay, now I have this degree, what do I do with it? It was just a natural um, 
you know, next step in my life to pursue that in a manufacturing environment, which is what happened. I went to work for GE Aircraft Engines uh, as part of their management development program with rotations in manufacturing, and then followed that up with a assignment in their manufacturing technology development lab. And how long did you uh, work for GE? I worked there for seven years in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then was it from there that you got into economic development around manufacturing? Yeah, that's correct, Matt. I, uh, I have to admit at the time, I probably didn't realize I was getting into economic development. Um, what really led me to this role at Catalyst Connection, which at the time was called SPERC, the Southwestern Pennsylvania Industrial Resource Center. And in my mind, I thought I was working, will be working with the manufacturing supply chain. Uh, and that is how I got connected to SPERC. Many of GE's suppliers were in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, again, in my mind, I thought, hey, this is a natural extension of what I was doing at GE. I'll be working directly with GE suppliers, you know, other OEM suppliers and so forth. And, uh, you know, really helping them to improve their competitiveness, to be better suppliers, to, you know, grow their business, um, those kinds of things. It, I probably didn't realize till a little bit later that this was an economic development role, <laughs> but uh, you know, as luck would have it, I'm I'm very very fortunate to have had this experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I'm sure the region is very uh, uh, lucky to have you. Really uh, connecting the dots um, with all of the different stakeholders, you know, that are necessary. As as folks, you know, listening to this podcast, you know, know we have, you know from two to 300,000 manufacturers across the country. And many of those in the supply chain are smaller uh, organizations. Um, and, and, you know, the supply chain, like you were talking about, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the playing field of um, the small and medium-sized manufacturers in the Pittsburgh region. Yeah, Matt, uh, we have a very robust manufacturing sector. In fact, uh, in terms of contribution to our gross regional output, it is our third largest sector. And uh, in the words of Dr. Michael Porter, we believe it's our largest traded sector uh, because our largest, you know, the, the sectors that are larger than manufacturing are financial and business services, real estate rental and leasing, which tend to, you know, for the most part, be services that are provided to local communities. So manufacturing uh, is our third largest. Uh, we have about 3,000 manufacturing establishments. As you pointed out, the majority of them, you know, probably 99%, have less than 500 workers at their location. So we are dominated, and, and that's very similar across the country, but we are definitely dominated by small and medium-sized manufacturers. We don't have you know, any really uh, significant single large OEM driving our economy like you might see, let's say in Detroit or even, you know, the BMW plant in South Carolina, something like that. We don't really have that. So we have a diverse sector, 3,000 establishments employing over 90,000 people dominated by metal fabrication, precision machinery and equipment, you know, the kinds of companies that really grew out of the industrial age here in Pittsburgh, the steel fabrication, steel making, steel fabricating, um, advanced materials, uh, primary, you know, primary metals, materials, those kinds of things. So the suppliers that we have here, many of them grew out of those industries but have you know, quite successfully diversified into many sectors. 
So we like to say that, you know, in southwestern Pennsylvania, we make things for almost every imaginable sector in our country. Um, and we make things that touch almost everything we do and use in our daily lives. And uh, so, you, we, you know, we've been working together for a long time. We are part of uh, an initiative years ago called the Investing in Manufacturing Communities Partners uh, uh, Initiative. And um, you put together an application for your region way back when, which which uh, put together all of these public and private stakeholders uh, to strengthen your manufacturing ecosystem. Tell us why the manufacturing ecosystem made up of, you know, different partners is so important to, to strengthening manufacturers themselves. Well, you know, Matt, uh, it, like they say, it takes a village, right? So um, I'm very proud of that designation. You know, that, like you said, that goes back to 2015. I can't believe that's how long it's been. But uh, the progress that we've made since 2015, in my mind, um, you know, has been amazing. So, like I said, we have these 3,000 manufacturing establishments. Uh, we have a growing manufacturing sector. We have partners that are dedicated to serving this community from a you know workforce per development perspective, from a technology perspective, capital assistance, you know all those important things. And I think manufacturing is really on the map here um, in southwestern Pennsylvania. Now, obviously, I, I can't take credit for that, but um, I like to think I play a role in that, in that, you know, uh, demonstrating how important it is. And uh, as we pointed out earlier, the, uh, the White House has taken notice of Pittsburgh as a center for advanced manufacturing. We were recently designated as a workforce hub, only one of five cities in the country. And when they describe why they chose Pittsburgh, advanced manufacturing was on top of the list. So, yeah, and the, okay. one of many um, recent federal interventions that are yeah. trying to help regions around the country strengthen their manufacturing uh, sector. Uh, and it's, it's alphabet soup uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, all the, the different intervention opportunities coming. Um, and, and you all are, uh, you know, uh, uh, participating in many of those. Um, there's the Economic Development Administration's uh, Build Back Better Regional mm -hmm. Challenge. Uh, there, there is the uh, uh, De Department of Defense, Defense Manufacturing Community Support Program, and many other opportunities are out there mm -hmm. on tech hubs and the National Science Foundation. How do you organize your region, Petra, to take advantage mm -hmm. of, of these and other interventions? Because, you know, they come and go, and yet... Your region is here. Your manufacturers are here. Uh, uh, yeah, how do you uh, how do you absorb these uh, interventions and and leverage them uh, for for better outcomes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, again we have a long history of working together with our partners. You know, like we pointed out, uh, starting in 2015 and and even before that. And so, uh, you know, we have a, a core group, let's say, of economic development. We have our universities, our three major research universities in our community here actively engaged with us, um, other economic development entities, the workforce system, and so forth. So when we see a new opportunity, whether, you know, we here at Catalyst lead that opportunity, as is the case with defense manufacturing communities, we've been the lead on that, or other entities lead, it's a quick phone call. It's it's not a heavy lift. 
to engage our partners. You know, um, like I said, we have a long history of working together and uh, we have uh, a quick phone call. We bring people together. We talk through what the opportunity is. We start to lay out a plan and, you know, it's like, um, it's a pretty seamless process, I think. It doesn't take a lot of convincing of our partners uh, to join us and to pursue whatever that new funding opportunity is. So I think that's definitely an advantage. You want to have those ready-made partnerships in your pocket, ready to go, not trying to formulate them you know, in response to an opportunity. You want to have them ready to go um, when the opportunity arises. I and think. that can be tricky, right? At the that beginning, tricky, yeah. right? When you when you don't have a kind of institutional capacity to keep those partnerships right. going, how did you guys build that institutional capacity? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, you know it just starts with one small program, and you build on one program, you take it to the next program. Um, you know, one builds on another. You have common themes. You know, we don't try to reinvent the wheel every time we seek a new funding opportunity. We have common themes around uh, what I mentioned earlier, you know, technical assistance, capital assistance, workforce development. Those are generally the, the common themes, you know, and you can build out details under each of those kind of um, buckets. I would say maybe a fourth pillar that I uh, I may have neglected to mention is, you know, the entrepreneurial support too. So that's probably our fourth pillar is, you know, existing support or support for existing manufacturing companies. And then how do we connect them with that strong, uh, very vibrant entrepreneurial sector that we have in Pittsburgh? Yeah, well, that's the, the mm -hmm. key, one of the key strengths of manufacturing, right, is making smarter pro pro products that solve problems. And so we need those innovative ideas and, uh, and many of those are born out of our, our great research um, universities uh, and, and young people bring, bringing uh, those good ideas to the fore. Um, and, and, uh, but it's got to be, you know, uh, amongst a, a, an ecosystem of support is interesting. Um, just recently, we saw the, uh, uh, the United Kingdom uh, adopting um, systems leadership as a as a uh, tactic for its civil servants to to be more productive uh, outside of their silos, you know, mm -hmm. to to have a habit of working together with other public and private partners uh, to benefit their people. It sounds a lot like what you're talking about, you know, is really putting together in the Pittsburgh region a um, systems leadership network, you know, where where folks are not siloed off, that they're working together um, around these common themes. Um, tell us a, about some of the tools and tactics uh, you use to help your manufacturers and the ecosystem of support they need to thrive. I know one of the ones that, that we've amplified at times is this... Um, toolkit that you 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 have worked on with other partners uh, for uh, having uh, diversity equity and inclusion in the manufacturing workforce here mm -hmm. um, that's one tool tell us about that and, and other tools and tactics that that uh, that you use here yeah Matt uh, so we try to adopt a pretty standard business model um, which includes that education and awareness building. So whatever the topic, the best practice that we are trying to, you know, introduce or enhance in our community, we often begin with uh, 
podcasts, you know, right? Uh, podcasts is a, a is a tool for sure. Um, ebooks, self assessments, guides, toolkits, you know, those kinds of things. Published content that really can be self served by a manufacturer. So the manufacturer, the person uh, at their company that's interested in a topic, they can download, they can watch, they can listen, they can learn and decide for themselves if that particular topic is of interest to them. So in the case of diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, we are definitely interested in helping to diversify the manufacturing workforce in our community. And we also realize that to address the talent shortages or the talent gaps, manufacturers have to look in other places, you know, look uh, in terms of recruiting people, just going to the same old well isn't going to work because there is not enough people there. And so can they look at populations of minorities, women, uh, some disabled, you know, people that are uh, disabled in certain ways, but certainly competent in other ways, um, veterans for sure, you know, those kinds of things. So how do we help people really understand what is it going to take to create an environment where people that are different from us can thrive, can be happy, can be engaged, can have a meaningful career and a meaningful experience. Our toolkit is all about that. It's starting that process. It's guiding them through what does that strategy look like? What are those um, implementation activities? What kinds of trainings? What kind of goals can we set to measure our progress and so forth? But the toolkit is really just step one. You know, that's just learning about and thinking about and planning for an improvement, you have to actually then implement that improvement, right? Right. So, that's so, the big yeah, thing. That's and the with big all thing. of these so, interventions, Petra, right? Yeah, the, all the, of them. The big question is about implementation. It's great that we have them, right? right? <laughs> and it's important to build those tools and interventions, but it's, it's up to real people on the ground to actually absorb those things and then utilize them. Right. And, and one of the one of the things in terms of workforce, you know, which is a key part of the manufacturing ecosystem that 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 needs to be addressed, uh, is is getting to kitchen tables of parents and kids early on mm -hmm. uh, uh, to uh, you know educate folks about you know twenty first century manufacturing is not what a lot of uh, uh, people understand. You know, they think of twentieth century manufacturing and. Uh, the dirty workforce, uh, uh, you know, challenges. It, it's so different now. How are you guys uh, getting to kitchen tables in the Pittsburgh region to to describe how uh, cool manufacturing is mm -hmm. and the great kind of good paying jobs and um, the important purpose, you know, workers in that field can make yeah, Matt, I'm really happy to talk about this. We have a very active uh, career awareness and exploration program for our uh, middle school and high school students in our community. Starting with our middle school program, probably our signature program, one of the most fun and exciting things we do, we engage seventh graders in a contest. Uh, we call it What's So Cool About Manufacturing? It's a video contest. We have groups of students from local schools, local middle schools, produce a video in partnership with a local company. Uh, they produce it, they uh, film it, they interview people, they edit it and turn it into something that, um, you know, turn it into a competition. And uh, we have a whole uh, system where people can vote on it, kind of like American Idol. 
and we have ceremonies and winners and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that engages, you know, all parents want to go to some event where their child may win an award. Uh, that program engages hundreds and hundreds of students in our community across the state, thousands of people, lots and lots of parents and educators. And it's really like the first step that we take in introducing students to careers in manufacturing because manufacturing is cool. These students produce fun and amazing videos. Uh, and those videos can be shared with literally, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. We've been doing this for about six or seven years now. We have a library of probably, you know, 200, 300 videos. Um, and we utilize them as we go out into the community and talk to people. We say, hey, take a look at this video or that video. We've had companies utilize the video to promote their own businesses as part of their own marketing toolkits. So it's been truly amazing. But I just do want to add, comment on that. That's not enough, right? Awareness is good. Awareness is the first step. What we do in high school then is we introduce a career pathway model. So students in high school can join a pre-apprenticeship program and earn credentials towards their post-high school career, which can be either directly into a apprenticeship program, a federally registered apprenticeship program, or to community college, and they can earn prior learning credits for community college. This really engages parents because I think, you know, parents are starting to see, hey, my child may not be going to college, but that doesn't mean they don't have a bright future in front of them. They're earning credentials, they have a pathway, they have a plan, they have employment opportunities, and educational opportunities. So I and, would say those yeah. those two things, you know, the awareness at the middle school level and the career pathway at the high school level are really our two signature programs engaging that kitchen table that you described. Yeah, and and, and the bonus is is for those that go into manufacturing either through an apprenticeship program or whatnot can be uh, uh, also a pathway to to uh, a four year degree and advanced degrees. Sure. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not an either or equation, and we've been yeah. learning about that across the country. So, so, uh, but that's a that's a, you know we have an old paradigm uh, that a lot of parents have about manufacturing, and so it's great to hear you guys are are breaking that uh, kind of with this um, with this you know bottom up approach uh, starting starting so early. Um, you're into this work, Petra. It's obvious. You know uh, why? Why do you find this work so rewarding? Well, Matt, um, manufacturing enabled me and my family to have a very comfortable middle-class experience. My parents were able to uh, provide for me. I was an only child, uh, we, but they were able to provide for me. We were comfortable. Um, they were able to send me to college and so forth. And I can see that for many, many other people. It's happening already and can happen for thousands and thousands of people in our community, particularly those that perhaps feel like they've been left behind. You know, there has been, you know, we have to acknowledge there was a decline in our industrial sector in the Pittsburgh area. Now it happened over 30 years ago, but it happened. And I think we have to acknowledge that. 
And I think we have to turn things around and show people like, hey, that happened in the past. That's not happening today. There are opportunities. You too can have a meaningful career and a very you know happy life, strong families, strong communities. I think manufacturing can make it happen. So maybe it's just my little way of paying it forward. Uh, that's great. So, you know, uh, before we close out, you know, what would you like to say to, to people listening across the country about, you know, how they can improve their manufacturing region? Well, I think certainly, you know, building up your community partners, uh, it's not a one size fits all solution. So, you know, as an uh, economic development entity, focus on what you're good at and engage other partners and allow them to do what they're good at. You know, we're not competing with each other. We have to work together. Um, so it's not a one size fits all solution. I think companies need lots of resources. Uh, they need lots of assistance. They need uh, technical assistance, but they also need advisory services, you know, all those kinds of things, capital. Um, and so I think it just takes all of us to work together to uh, make that happen. Leading the way from the, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania region, uh, Catalyst Connection CEO, Petra Mitchell, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. You can learn more about AMCC by joining our weekly mailing list at AmericanMCC.org backslash subscribe. If you're a manufacturer, economic development professional, workforce and trading person, capital provider, or work in any field critical to American manufacturing, send us a note. We'd love to hear about progress from your part of the ecosystem and join us on our Monday calls. The next episode of this podcast, Manufacturing in American Century, will be coming out soon. So in the meantime, spread the word by sharing about AMCC and the podcast on your Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Manufacturing in American Century is available on Spotify and all major podcast platforms. Thanks for our production partners, AMCC Operations Director David Van Sicklin and Mr. Mike McCallum from Podcasting for Associations. That's it for now. I'm Matt Bogosian with you, Manufacturing in American Century. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, Ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man.